See if any of the things that she relays to us tonight put a check mark in a box in your head of something you may have heard of, read about, or experienced yourself. Jamie, welcome to Uncomfortable. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you. I appreciate you reaching out through email to me, and uh, I was I was struck by the fact that you were a fellow Michigander, and uh, now currently not, but it sounds like you spent a good deal of your life in Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, you reached out with a couple of encounters that were pretty odd, to be honest, and uh, I appreciate you using this platform, this show, to, to tell your story. So why don't you go ahead and get into the first account? Yeah, uh, thanks for your reply. I, I've listened to all of your podcast episodes so far, and I'm, I'm really enjoying your podcast. And Thank you. I, it just uh, brought up these couple of stories for me, and I, I thought they might be useful to you, which is why I reached out. Uh, yeah, I am a Michigander originally. I was born in the Detroit area and uh, raised in the Mackinac Straits, uh, Upper Peninsula area. Beautiful Um, area. I went to, yeah, and uh, I went to Northern Michigan University up in Marquette there and Mm -hmm. um, spent quite a bit of time in the UP um, and then moved on down to the Lower Peninsula. Um, But the, the first story I shared with you was uh, during my time at Northern, uh, I had a boyfriend who was from the Stevenson area. And 
we went uh, one weekend to go visit his family in Stevenson. His his mother was there in Stevenson, but his grandparents were just a little further away in Peshtigo. <laughs> That's such an odd name. Yeah. Uh, yeah when you see yeah. it written out, it's it's like how does how do you how, how's this what how do you say it? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those one of those youper names, you mm-hmm. know. So. Uh, so we went over to, to visit for the weekend with his grandparents and spent the night with them. Um, and so they, they allowed us to spend, spend the night in their guest room together, you know, and a lot of times that's, that's not the case with parents or grandparents. Yeah. To, you know, spend some, it in some very forward thinking grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought so too. Um, but anyway, so in the in their guest bedroom, um, the grandmother had decorated it with antiques, and um, there was a old time Singer sewing machine in there. One of those with the the pedal, the foot pedal that you would use to operate the sewing machine. Oh, so an old one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of those really, really old ones. And it wasn't called uh, a pedal, was it? Wasn't it a, a a tradle? I think it's called a tradle. Yeah, yeah. When I looked it up. I, it is called a tradle. Um, but at that point, I didn't know that that's what that was called. I just knew it was a foot pedal operated mm-hmm. sewing machine. Um, so we went went to bed, you know, no, nothing out of the ordinary that night. And uh, halfway through the, through the night, I, I woke up to a sound that I couldn't quite identify. And it sounded mechanical, and I, I was trying very hard to listen to try to identify what in the world that sound was. And it occurred to me that it was on my side of the bed. And then I clued in that it was the sewing machine moving. It was the very metal, mechanical, you know, grinding kind of noise. Oh, wow. And it scared the crap out of me. And... So I, I lay there for a little while and I was like, no, you know, it can't, that can't be like, there, there's no way. And the longer I laid there and listened to it, there, it couldn't have been anything else. There was nothing else in that room that it could have been. So I. But the sound was definitely well, coming from in the room. It was in the room. It was right next to my head, which was right where the sewing machine was. And so I you know, shoved my boyfriend and woke him up. And I, I said, you know, the sewing machine is moving. <laughs> and he, you know, groggily was like, you're nuts. That there's no way, like, knock it off. You're dreaming. You're having a nightmare. It's nothing. Just quit it. And, you know, I, I was like, well, it is. That, that is what has happened. That is the sound. I'm not nuts. Like, I'm a very practical person. I'm not, you know, prone to, you know, not, not prone to making stuff up and having hallucinations. Right. And... All right, right. You know, we hadn't been drinking. We weren't drug users. You know, there was nothing, no reason that I would have come up with that idea. Um, and so I, you know, okay, fine. So I just continue you know continued to lie there in the dark and try so, to go back to sleep. so when you woke him up mm-hmm. did did it stop was was yeah. this like a continuing sound or was it intermittent or 
Um, it had been continuing for a few minutes, but when I turned to wake him up, it stopped. Okay. So he didn't hear it, obviously. Because um, you were nuts. Right, because I'm nuts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he rolls over, goes back to sleep, and I'm lying there like, this is insane. And It started back but, up again? Right, so it starts back up again after he's, I can hear him, his breathing is heavier. So now he's falling back asleep, and I'm, you know, full of anxiety and panic, and, and the sound comes back on again. And swear to God, it's that sewing machine moving. It's the pedal moving. It's operating. You know, there was no needle in the sewing machine because I had looked at it earlier in the night, but it was moving the as if it was sewing something. Oh, my word. And so I'm just lying there like, okay, I don't know what the hell to do with this. So and, let me interject. Were you, were you like at this point – Obviously, you know something something weird is going on. Is right. is a ghost or some kind of a haunting idea floating around in your head, or are you at this point just still trying to make sense of why would this thing be moving and with right any... at that point, I'm like, okay, there's not, it's not plugged into an outlet. It doesn't have a motor on it. It's like I'm trying to like game out like how in the world is this thing moving? Because I had looked at it earlier admired it because I like antique things and there's no way there wasn't even an outlet on that side of the wall. And I just, you know, ghost wasn't the first thing that came to mind. I was just trying to figure out how in the world is this antique sewing machine moving with no operator has no power. And it's like a hundred years old. So how in God's name is this happening? <laughs> Even to to the to the fact that it was never even designed to be electric, it was it was self powered right. by by the operator. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not moving it. You know, I'm not. I'm lying in bed. I'm not moving. I'm not touching it. It's more than an arm's length away. What, what's your you know? What's your feeling at the, at this time? Are you Are you scared? Are you more perplexed? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I. It's a mixture of like terror and perplexed and incredulous and like probably a little bit of disbelief uh, disbelief yeah and, and then I'm like am I gonna listen to this all night do I need to get up and get out of here like what you know <laughs> do I call the grandparents what, what do I do with this so so yeah so the noise continues and I'm lying there just listening to it, trying to, you know, figure out what, what to do. And my, my boyfriend launches up out of bed. He's like, what is that? And he, he literally, it's one motion of him jumping up, sitting up and jumping out of bed, leaps across the room and flicks the light on. And I'm lying there and looking at him now with the light on. And he says, what the hell was that? And I said, it was the sewing machine moving. I told you. And he's like, that's not possible. I said, I know, but it is, but it's moving. And he just like stood there staring at me and then looking at the sewing machine and then back and forth, back and forth. And I'm, 
you know, now I'm sitting up and I'm saying, yeah, I know. I don't understand it either. I, it's moving. I don't know. So I said, well, did you touch it? I said, no, I'm not touching it. I didn't touch it. <laughs> you know, did you guys at any point, were you able to verify it? Like visibly, could you see the, the pedal moving? No, nope. Never saw it move. Only heard it. As soon as the light would go out, it was in the dark. I didn't, I couldn't see it moving. There wasn't any other light in the room, Yeah. but you could hear that mechanical metal, you know, interesting pedal moving kind of sound. So <laughs> like he's now also incredulous. <laughs> like, and now I'm not looking so stupid because he heard it too. <laughs> you know, and he's looking a little bit like an ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, well, that just can't happen. And I said, I know, but it is. And it was the darndest thing. He just turns off the light and lies back down. And he's, we're lying there talking like, well, how, you know, how is this possible? I said, where did your grandma get the sewing machine? Was it hers? Was it her grandmother's? Whose is it? And he says, I have no idea. It's always just been in this room. And, you know, we're trying to, you know, how in the world is a antique pedal sewing machine moving in the middle of the night? Did it ever, did it start back up again at any point? No. Once he'd gotten up, that was the end of it. So we laid there talking for a little while in the dark and, and he, and, you know, we just went back to sleep. And I didn't hear it the rest of the night. It took me a while to let, to get back to sleep because I'm like, this thing's going to go all night, right? Yeah. And it didn't. It quit after he had jumped up. But I, I have no idea. I just have no clue how that thing was moving. Well, it must have been content with the fact that it made its point. Right. Right. Yeah. It sufficiently scared both of us. So that was all it needed to do, I guess. You know, it, it's interesting because I've I've read of similar type things happening with uh, inanimate objects, um, mm-hmm. machines in particular. And, you know, one of the theories is that because that machine had been under use and, you know, for that sewing machine, prior to it being uh, an antique, it probably was in service somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the stored energy, the possibility for stored energy in this machine from all the years of use, there's a theory that if the conditions are right and, you know, the barometric pressure is right and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the stars align and everything, that um, there can be a release of this energy and and the machine actually goes back into doing what it had been doing, not as, not so much a, a haunting of sorts, but a, a stored energy that just gets released. And then it does the only thing that it knows how to do, which is operate in the fashion that it was designed to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that once he jumped up and turned the light on, it never did it again. I so I suppose could be explained by, you know, it used up that stored energy and didn't have any left or, if there was something attached to that object, 
it was obviously trying to get somebody's attention. And, mm-hmm. and once it, once it realized that it had gotten to both of you, then it, its job was done. Yeah. But as long as it was just you, it continued to do it until it managed to wake up your boyfriend. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Now, did you ever talk with the, uh, the grandparents about it? Did you ever tell them yeah. the, the experience? Yeah. The next morning, you know, grandma's making breakfast and we walk into the kitchen and we sit down and the, and the, she says, how did you sleep? And, and he says, well, not so well. Uh, you know, Jamie thinks that the sewing machine was working all night and she turns around from the, you know, cooking the breakfast and looks at me. And, you know, I'm th- being thrown under the bus here. Yeah. We, we both heard it. And, you know, she just said, oh, really? And, you know, she was, she seemed to be more open to that. It happened. The grandpa was like, you two are pulling our legs. You know, you're pulling one over on us. He was having none of it. But she was she was very much like, well, I suppose that's possible. I don't know, you know. But she never she offered up that. She never mm-hmm. offered up that something may have happened while she was around. No, no. And I asked, like, is this your sewing machine? Is it your grandma's sewing machine? Where did you get it? You know, what's the story on it? And she was very vague, you know, oh, I I got it at an antique store. I don't know anything about it. I just liked it, you know, so I couldn't, there wasn't any backstory to get out of it. I was hoping, you know, oh, it was my great grandmother's or something like that, but right. she didn't have any, if she, maybe she was holding it back. I don't know, but she, she didn't have an explanation for us, but it certainly freaked me out. So, was there ever any return trips to that that grandparents' house? Did, no. Did, did you no. sleep there again? No, no, we never went back there, and uh, we we broke up shortly thereafter. So that was that was the only uh, haunted sewing machine. You, you trip did right. You should break up with him. You know, he wouldn't yeah. stand behind you. He's throwing you under right. the bus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, what you know, like moving forward, did. I mean, was this something that stuck with you or was it just kind of one of those things you just kind of packed away and was like, oh, that was weird? Um, I mean, where do you put that, right? Like, where do you file that away? I don't know. You know, it's just one of those, like, strange occurrences, a weirdness. You know, I'm, I've always been interested in the strange and weird and unexplained. Yeah, you expressed um, that your, your parents pretty much allowed you to grow up in a household that that kind of stuff was not frowned upon. and Yeah, my folks were, were interested in the same sort of thing, you know, watching Unsolved Mysteries or, you know, all that kind of, you know, that those weird 90s TV shows or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, reading Stephen King books, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, it was, it was welcomed. It was, you know, oh, this is weird. Let's, you know, what do you think about this? Yeah. It was, it was a very open uh, household, so. Did you ever yeah. tell your parents about it? I told my mom, yeah, but she just kind of laughed and said, well, who knows, you know. You know, she, she was more to brush it off. My dad would listen. Um, he didn't have a lot of commenting, but he, I think he found the things more fascinating than my mom did. She was a little bit quicker to, to brush that sort of thing away 
or didn't want to entertain the thoughts of that. So, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. do you think, have you had, have other than the two events that you, you contacted me about, have mm-hmm. you had any other kind of personal experiences that are, are somewhat weird that might lead you to believe that you are a little more open to experiencing this kind of stuff? Or were these just two random things that, that happened? And um, I Other things have happened in my life. Um, other events that I can't explain. Um, you want to various... touch on those? Sure, we can, I can tell you about those. Um, I'll give you a couple of recent ones. My um, husband and I have had recently lived in Spokane, Washington, and I had purchased a home there with my mom, and she had passed away before uh, she was able to move into the house with me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, thank you. So I had lived in the house alone and then met my husband. He moved in and we had experienced some strange sounds in the house. Um, Our bedroom was downstairs and the kitchen was above our bedroom. And every single night you would hear what sounded like someone walking across the floor between the dining room and the kitchen. And it would it seemed to wait until we went to bed. So it didn't matter if it was 10 o'clock or 1, 1 a.m. It didn't had no time stamp regularity to it, um, but it seemed to wait until we were in bed, and then it would do the walking across the floor. And if you went upstairs to investigate it, there was nothing. There was, you know, nothing. Of course. <laughs> right. Um, we saw a shadow figure in the downstairs bedroom there one evening. Um, I don't know if my husband saw it, but I, I certainly saw it. It was standing at the end of the bed. Um, he and I were getting ready for bed and just kind of lying there chatting. And I looked over to the corner cause I saw some movement and there was a staticky translucent figure standing at the corner of the bed. Interesting. Um, that never repeated. So I don't know what that was. Um, yeah, so that was fairly odd. Um, and then when we moved here to Henderson a year ago, we were outside in our backyard. Um, I think it was the week that we moved in the week after we moved in and it was, I think around 10 or 11 o'clock at night, we were just in the backyard chatting and we saw a orb shoot across the back of our yard, kind of like a firefly would, Mm -hmm. but it was in a straight line. It was large, almost like a, the size of a golf ball. And it started out as an orb, but then elongated into a long, horizontal shape and then zoomed across the backyard and you know our neighbors weren't out it was just us in the backyard yeah it was just on the edge of the fence line so probably I don't know four or five feet off the ground bright white you know it wasn't a drone it wasn't a bird we have no idea what that was it was just an odd 
and it, it morphed from a, about a golf ball sized orb into yeah. a, into a rectangular shape. Um, no, more like a tube, like a tube shape, like a horizontal tubular hmm. shape. Yeah. It was very odd. Is that a wooded, was that in a wooded area? No, it, this is a suburb. Um, we've got a pool in our backyard. There, our neighbor has a pool in his backyard that butts up against ours. We have a brick fence line. Um, you know, it's palm trees and, you know, yeah. tall flowering plants. It's not, it's not wooded at all. It's desert. Um, so, yeah. So, we've, we've seen odd lights in the sky. I was just yeah, going to ask you if, because the, the translucent staticky figure, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times is, is something that is reported when there's unexplained aerial phenomenon going on. Yeah. My concern though, is that those are in two very different places. So that figure was in Spokane, mm-hmm. Washington, and this, light shape was in Henderson. So we're in two completely different states, two completely different houses. Um, In my mind, they're not connected. I mean, maybe they are. I I have no way of knowing that. I had interviewed a gentleman a few episodes back uh, from Alabama and his, uh, most of his accounts were about weird lights in the sky and, and, uh, but the last portion of it, he had an experience with a, a translucent figure in his basement that, mm-hmm. that got kind of aggressive. And, mm-hmm. and he said when it opened its mouth, that the inside of its mouth and it's, I think maybe even his eyes, um, resembled like an old fashioned TV um, weird. where it was staticky, you know, where there was no station coming in at the time, just uh-huh. like snow on a TV. And I mean, staticky and translucent, is, it's kind of, a, yeah. kind of a similar explanation Yeah. or description, I should say. Yeah. It's, it's all very strange. I don't know. What's your, yeah. hus- what's your husband's thoughts on, on any of these? He, he'll watch the shows with me and he'll, you know, entertain the conversation, but I don't know that he, you know, puts a lot of belief or thought or, you know, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think that it's really as much of an interest to him as it is to me. Mm-hmm. I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Um you know, he kind of just shrugs and says, I don't know. Who knows what that is? I, there's no way to know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't wrap my head around people that are like that. Not that there's anything wrong with it or that they're bad for being that way. Mm-hmm. I just, my mind when, you know, when I hear accounts like this, my mind just, just runs the gambit of everything that I've ever heard or, you know, researched or thought, you know, I'm, I'm going through checklists and it's like, well, could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be this? And it's, uh, it's strange to me that there's people out there that just have really no interest in, in these type of topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, some people just, 
and I don't know if this is the way my husband feels about it, but some people don't want to pull the curtain back and look at it. Yeah. You know, that that's too uncomfortable. That's way too much. Yeah. You know, and and for me, I find it fascinating. I, I don't know that there's any way to, you know, really know what's going on or what the source is or the reason, but I find it fascinating, you know. Well, the, it makes the world seem so much more interesting when you can look into subjects about the type of topics that we're talking about mm-hmm. rather than just being stuck with CNN or MSNBC right. or, you know, Fox News and, you know, trying to yeah. differentiate what what channel you should be listening to, who's giving you the truth and who's giving you bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's an entertainment because I think that takes validity away from it, but but it does it does seem to make things you have so many more choices to <laughs> to to look into and and investigate. Yeah, yeah. I I tend to think that the world is vastly more interesting and complex than we give it credit for. Oh, I and agree. and I don't know that our human brains are wired to know all the answers or it's even possible for us to, you know, scientific method it out. I'm, I, I'm not sure about that, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think that science is not everything. I'm, I'm yeah. starting to think that just because something can't be proven by science doesn't mean the existence. They just can't prove the existence. Mm-hmm. Or in some cases, they don't even try because they wouldn't even begin to know where to start to look at it. Yeah. And that seems to be, that seems to be pretty common with just about all the topics that we cover on this show. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what I think makes them so interesting. Because all you have to really go by is the, the, the experiencer's ability to convey what they saw. Right. Right. And I think that not only does that humanize it, but it like when you sent me your email, I wasn't sure if you were wanting me to read these on air or if you were actually contacting me because you wanted to be on the show. That's why I asked if you'd be willing to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think when, when the person who has an experience is the one that's talking and, and the listeners get to hear straight from their mouth, you can't really you can't really fake emotion or or confusion or um, you know discombobulation of whatever this event did to you and I don't think you can fake that there there might be some that mm-hmm. that can mm-hmm. but um, for the most part I think it's uh, I think it's really valuable to have the experiencers on talking about what what they've experienced and and I think. For the listener, that that's an important an important aspect of the show is to be able to hear that person and and hear their voice crack when you know it's something that they're emotionally or passionately invested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and yours, of course, is one of them. And I I just like to hear people's personal accounts their stories, what happened, how they perceive it. Um, 
you know, and I, I think you're right. A lot of people have these types of stories and just reading them isn't really conveying all the information yeah, compared they're... to a, a, the person who experienced it exactly. explaining what happened and where and how and, you know, all exactly. that. All right. Well, let's move on to your, your second experience. All right. Yeah. So for a time I had lived in the Interlochen area, which is near Traverse City. And you just live in some of the most beautiful parts of this country. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I really did get to experience a lot of Michigan. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. Um, and I had recently broken up with a boyfriend that was uh, becoming very violent and very aggressive and it was becoming a very unsafe scenario for me. So I had left that relationship and was searching for a place to live. And I, and I wanted to be as far away from him as possible without, you know, moving back home or leaving the area. Cause I still had a job and friends around town, but I just wanted to be on the opposite side of town from him. I didn't want to, you know, run into him at the grocery store, sure. at the gas station, all that sort of jazz. So um, I ha- I was looking and searching for just a single bedroom apartment. And one came up in Elk Rapids area, so just outside of Elk Rapids. And it was a, a house or a building that I had driven by multiple times throughout my travels back to see my parents and through Traverse City, and I had often admired that property. I just thought it was a cool building. It's an older style building, and I just thought it was just a neat place. And so when I saw the listing for it for an apartment, I jumped at the chance to live there because, you know, I'd already always wanted to. Um, So it was a husband and wife uh, team that were the landlords, and I had met with them and told them what my scenario was and that I was getting away from this bad relationship and that I wanted the year lease and I was going to live there by myself and, you know, no big deal. And so I signed the lease and there was only four apartments in that building. So two upstairs and two downstairs. And mine was the farthest on the edge of the building closest to the wood. And the way that the building is situated, you park on one side of the building in a little dirt lot, and then there's a sidewalk around to the back of the building where the doors to the apartments are. And on the other side of that sidewalk is pretty thick woods that um, drops off into a ravine. So it's pretty dark. Um, It's a pretty secluded building. It is on a U.S. I think it's 30 or 31 or whatever the street highway is. Um, it's been a while since I drove that road. So <laughs> forgive me on that if I have that wrong, but it is just outside of Elk Rapids. Um, well, you sent me a picture of the building. Yeah. And it's, it's uniquely odd in, in the, the way that it's, the way that it's designed, it, it looks fairly old. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, it kind of creeps the hell out of me. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know what it is about it. I mean, it, it's it's colorful. It's got nice nice painting. It, but there's something really, it's there's something off about it to me. <laughs> and I, I, I remember, you know, reading through your email, and then down at the bottom you had attached that picture, and I was like, damn, what did she see in that place? Not <laughs> not that it you know looks bad. Yeah. Or run down because it it doesn't. It's just it's got a kind of a creepy quality to it. I I don't know. I don't get that from. I mean, at first I didn't get it from that building. After my experience, I sure did. But um, you know, it was. I think it was an old farmhouse that they added another portion onto at some point. Um, the landlord said it was a farmhouse at some point, and the highway had run through there, so they'd broken up the farm. The land. Um, it had been a real estate agency building at some point, and then they, these folks, had bought it and made it into apartments. But it's it's old, you know. It's an older building. Yeah. 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 So I I moved in, and um, the landlords were super nice. She had called probably two or three times the first week to two weeks that I was in the apartment to check on me and to see if I was liking the, the apartment and if everything was fine. And at the time I just thought, well, gosh, that's, that's really nice. You know, I just thought maybe she was concerned for me knowing what my scenario had been, mm-hmm. but looking back on it now, I, I think that they probably knew that there was something funny about the apartment or the building in general Um, But they didn't, they never disclosed any of that to me. Um, So, so the apartment was pretty small. It was almost a studio. It had a teeny tiny bedroom. Um, So when you open the the door, the door opened into the living room kitchen. And then the bedroom was off to the side. And there was one window in the, in the bedroom. And then the bathroom was through the bedroom in the back. Um, and so I had, you know, set it up where I had my little couch and chair and put my easel up because I'm a painter and I, you know, had a little workspace going on there and everything was fine for quite some time. And I think I had moved in middle to late August. So it's, it was getting kind of crisp at night. And there was one night that I woke up that I was freezing to death. And I, you know, I'm a pretty light sleeper and I don't keep the windows open. Uh, You know, I'm terrified that someone's going to break in, you know, so I don't, I don't sleep with windows or doors or anything open. Everything's closed and locked and um, I don't have a fan on. Like there's no reason for my room to be absolutely frigid. So I get up to check on the thermostat in the other room. That's the living room kitchen. And the door is wide open to the apartment. It's wide open. And this is like probably, I don't know, three or four in the morning. Now the front and door, the front door to your apartment is exposed to the outside. Obviously it's, it's not an internal correct. door. Okay. Correct. Yeah. You open the door and you step out onto the walkway. And then if you step probably three more feet, you're now in the woods and then another foot, you're down the ravine. 
So you open the door and you're looking into the woods. Oh, wow. Um, That's kind of creepy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm like, what in the hell? You know, so I closed the door, obviously, and the doorknob, it was just a regular doorknob that had a lock in it. Um, Mm -hmm. It was still locked when I grabbed the doorknob. So I just shut the door and, you know, how odd, like how in the world did that happen? There's no reason for it. So went to bed the next morning I get up and I'm looking at the door to figure out how in the hell did this happen? Because this is not safe. Like I can't live like this. This is not acceptable. Um, I'm looking at the door jam. There's nothing. It's not been kicked in. There's no damage. The lock works. It's latching properly. I I can't see any reason why that would have happened. There is no reason. It's odd that the door was still locked in the open position. Right. And I tried to recreate, okay, well, how in the world would the door have gotten open in the middle of the night with it locked? So I went outside and I closed the door and I had my keys and I'm trying to get the door to to open with, with it locked and it won't do it. So I'm, you know, baffled and just kind of chalk it up to, well, who knows? I don't know. I, I don't know. I know I closed the door. I'm very, very careful about my own personal safety. So I'm sure that I closed that door. I'm sure I locked that door. Well, I would assume that you would know. be, I would assume that would be at the forefront of your, your mind, considering what you had gone through with the, the ex-boyfriend. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not going to leave the door unlocked when I've just gotten myself out of this horrible scenario. So, yeah, it was it was very unnerving. So, you know, the next night nothing happened. and But then the next few weeks I was waking up freezing cold, and, and I'd wake up, and the door is wide open. The front door is wide open, and I am closing that door, and I'm locking that door, and there's no reason that this front door should be open in the middle of the night. And I'm not a sleepwalker. I haven't been drinking. Like, there's no reason that this door is open. How often is this happening? At first, it was probably once a week. And then it was ramping up to twice a week. Then it was three times a week. And when it got to three times a week, I'm frantic. I am like, I'm going to have to leave. I can't live here. This is insane. No one else has a key to this place. I made sure that the landlord had changed the locks. There's no reason. I can't come up with a reason that the door is opening. How soon did this start happening from the time that you moved in? It was probably a month. It was probably a month of me living there. Because it's now getting cold at night. Mm-hmm. And I'm. That's, that's why I'm waking up because I'm freezing cold. And I'm a very light sleeper. And I don't like it cold, you know, I, so I'm waking up and it's an unacceptable situation. So I call my mom and I'm like, I tell her, I just straight up tell her what's happening. Mom, I'm waking up and the door is wide open to my apartment and I don't know what's going on. And I, I've looked at the door and I don't see anything wrong with it. And I, I can't live like this, but I'm locked into this year lease and I don't know what to do. You know, I'm in my early 20s. Yeah. You know, I've never encountered this before. And she 
like loses her mind. You know, her daughter is calling. Oh, after I can this imagine. Awful scenarios they've just gotten me out of and moved me into this new apartment. And now I'm calling and saying that the door is wide open in the middle of the night and I'm alone. And they're like three hours away. And she says, Jamie, you need to call your landlord right now. Get off the phone with me and call them and make them put a deadbolt on your door. Call them and tell them that you have to have a deadbolt put on this door sure. right now, today. And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, that's that's a good scenario. That's a good solution. So I, you know, did what mom says, and I called the landlord, and I get the landlord on the phone, and I said, look, I'm having some, you know, I can't just say, <laughs> the door is wide open. I don't know what's going on here. So I, you know, I'm, I just say, well, I'm having some trouble with the apartment. The the door seems to be a little bit funny. Um, is there any way that you can put a deadbolt on this door for me? And the landlord pushes back and says, what do you mean? What kind of trouble are you having with the door? That doesn't, that's out of the norm. Cause we, you know, checked the apartment before you moved in and everything was fine. And I said, well, the door is coming open in the middle of the night and I'm waking up in the morning and the door is open and I don't feel safe. And she says, well, are you sure that you're closing and locking the door? And I was like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent confident. I'm closing and locking the door every single night when I go to bed. I'm, I mean, I, if I come home after grocery shopping, I shut the door and lock it behind me. I'm not leaving this door open. <laughs> like, so she says, okay, well, all right, I'll send my husband over and he'll put a lock on the door. And he comes over, I, don't, I think it was maybe two days later, and he puts a chain bolt on, not a deadbolt, but one of those like latch chain ones, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Not, a, not at all what you're asking for. Not at all what I was asking for. Yeah. And frankly, I was a little pissed because I had asked for a deadbolt for a specific reason. And I wanted that deadbolt because I was convinced that that would stop whatever reason the store was opening. Mm. And, you know, he's friendly and, oh, yeah, here you go. No problem. And I'm just like, are you serious? That's not what I asked for. But I thought, well, maybe it'll be fine. Like, maybe this is just as good of a solution. So a couple nights later, I wake up again and it's freezing cold and I'm now I'm mad and I get up and I look and sure enough, that door is open again, but now it's open the length of the chain. So now instead of the door being wide open into the front of, in, into the whole room, it's just open the length of the chain, mm -hmm. which is not a solution. And I'm just like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> like I don't know what's happening so I call my mom back and I tell her you know they came by but they put a chain lock on and that's not working the door's opening the length of the chain now and she's just like Jamie that's insane like there's something in your apartment there's no reason that your door is doing this and I, I'm like I know I, I know I'm closing this door and locking it every night I know I am so she, my mom, makes me come home that weekend and get her new solution is a 
is an old iron, like an iron iron. <laughs> she's got one, you know, as a decoration in the house. And she oh, says, yeah. You got to take this. You know, you take this back to your apartment and you put this, you close your door and lock it and you put it in front of the door and that'll keep the door closed. That was her solution. I'm not sure I understand that. I don't know. Just the weight of a yeah. two pound iron is going to keep the door from. <laughs> yeah, that was what she thought would be the solution. And I was out of, you know, I didn't have any ideas. So sure. I'll and try the door opens outward, right? No, it opens into the oh, apartment. Okay. okay. Yeah. Into the apartment. So I go back, to, you know, with this iron and do what mom says, except there's a, door trim on the bottom of the floor you know it is a transom or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. and so the iron doesn't sit flat against the door it sits it has a little lip there with the transom so it doesn't it's not going to hold the door closed right so that's not a solution either um but i do it anyway because that's what mom said to do so i put (laughs) the iron there and isn't it funny how even even (laughs) things that don't make sense you're still, right. you're still conditioned to do what mom says. Right. You know, well, what else would you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, mom would know. She's the adult, you know. Yeah. So that wasn't the solution either because the door would still open. It wasn't open opening as often. So it went back down to maybe once a week or so. But it would still open the door, whatever it was. It was opening the door. But now it was, it was only able to open it, A, the length of the chain up to the face of the iron. So I would still wake up with the door cracked, but at least I guess it's not open the whole way into my apartment. So I guess I just lived with that because I didn't know what else to do. And so I didn't feel like calling the landlord back and saying, look, you've got something in this apartment and I need a deadbolt because she's going to think I'm nuts. Yeah, I guess at the beginning of the story, as as it progressed, I was I wasn't sure if I was feeling like it was coming from the outside coming in, mm-hmm. or if it was on the inside going out. And but the fact that they put the chain on the door and the chain remained chained mm-hmm. to me, that would kind of make me think not not to put thoughts in your head but if it was if it was capable of opening the door without the chain it could be either coming from the outside or the inside if it was inside and it had the ability to open the door you would think it would have the ability to unchain the door you think i don't know so i I, kind of lean towards maybe it was something from the outside coming in or trying to come in very well could have been did you i don't know i'm did you ever have any gut feeling as far as how, you know, on that on that point, did, did you ever have a, a gut feeling that you thought it was something that was in the apartment or something trying to come I, in? Yeah, I never got a sense of where it was coming from, and I couldn't determine if it was in the apartment itself or outside in that ravine. You know, if it was something coming up out of the woods, it very well could have been. I don't know. I never saw anything. I never saw any lights or orbs or shadow figure. I never saw anything. So, and I never got the sense of what it was or why, why open the door? I, 
I didn't know if it was trying to get me. I didn't, I was never touched. Nothing, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I was getting enough information to yeah. combat what was happening. Right. So did you ever get back in touch with the, the owners, the, the innkeepers? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, nope. I never called again. I just thought, well, they've already treated me like an idiot. Yeah. For thinking which, that I'm which is so strange. Of- which is so strange because they seem so accommodating and checking in on you, you know, in the beginning so often. Right. And then to be, why, why the pushback on, on putting a, a $30 yeah. right. deadbolt in as opposed to a $6 chain lock. Yeah. And that never made any sense to me. Like, why are you calling to check up on me? And then when I call and say, I'm having problems, please do this specific thing. I got pushback. I, that never, I couldn't square that. That never made any sense to me. Did you ever have any conversations with any of the other uh, tenants? Nope. I, I, I don't remember ever seeing them very often. I think I saw one guy that lived in one of the upstairs apartments, but I never interacted with any of them. I never saw them. I saw them like getting into their cars, but I, I never, the timing was always off. I guess I never interacted with any of them. It's that house, man. I'm telling you that house creeps me out. (laughs) (laughs) It really does. Yeah. I don't know. It's so odd because I mean, mean, you know, something that, that house to my, to me appears and I'm not a construction guy or anything, but you know, the style of that house looks like, it could have easily been from the turn of the century and then added on, you know, mm-hmm. at some point, maybe even a couple of multiple times. Uh, yeah. You know, so if, you know, if the, the construction of it was slightly off kilter and, you know, somebody upstairs steps on their floor where that's above where your door jam is, you know, does it kind of put your door jam out of kilter and, you know, allows it to open up on its own. I mean, there's so many strange, strange things you could, you know, the rabbit hole you could go down as far as what would be causing it. But mm-hmm. you never, you never really felt like there was any kind of a presence or anything. There were, I mean, there was one other incident that I mentioned in the email to you. Um, that was more of like a trickster kind of thing. And I don't know if it was the same, if, if that's what was opening the door, I don't have any way of knowing if, if it was all the same entity thing doing it. Yeah. Go into that for our listeners, if you would. Sure. So as I mentioned before, I'm an artist. And so I had an easel set up in my living room and I had a little stool and I would sit there and draw and sketch on work and, I'm right-handed, so I have a little TV tray with my materials on it on my right side next to my easel. And one evening, I think it was around 9 or 10 o'clock, I had been drawing a new painting out on this canvas that was sitting on the easel. And the pencil that I had been working with had a green coating on it. It wasn't a green pencil, but it had a green coating, just a graphite pencil. 
And I had set it down on the TV tray next to me to look at my work, kind of map out what I needed to do next. And when I went to return to pick up the pencil off the table, it was gone. And, you know, I was a bit irritated. So I got up and I'm looking under the table, under the couch. It's not anywhere. It's gone. It didn't roll off the table. I hadn't gotten up and taken it to the bathroom with me. It was nowhere. It was gone. It was just gone. And the apartment's not that big. I, I would have seen it. It was nowhere. And so I just was like, okay, well, that's odd. I don't know. So I sit back down and I open the drawer to my easel and I get another pencil out and I'm drawing away and I go to put the new pencil down and I look down onto the TV tray as I'm putting my pencil down and the green one is back where it was before in the exact same place that I had placed it, I don't know, 10 minutes before. And I was incredulous. Like, that. what? How? 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 I had looked everywhere for that stupid pencil, and it was nowhere. And now it's back on my TV tray. And I got mad. I got really mad because I was so sick and tired of the door opening all the time. I was stressed out. And so I was, that was like the final straw for me. So I just screamed into the room. That's not funny. Knock it off. I was just so mad. I was just really ticked off about all these little things happening. And I, I just went to bed. I was so pissed and (laughs) (laughs) I never saw any, you know, there wasn't anything moved after that. There wasn't any ghosts or orbs or there was nothing in the apartment that I could see or felt or saw. So I don't know, again, I don't know what that was. And I don't know if it's the same thing opening the door that's messing with me and my art supplies. I I don't know, but it sure did tick me off. (laughs) Um, And my friends all thought that, you know, they weren't real sure to believe me or not. I, I think, you know, I would tell them, but they're like, eh, yeah. that sounds weird. I don't know. I don't know. And my one friend, she refused to come over at night. Like she would come over during the day, you know, come hang out with me during the day or whatever. But as soon as it would start to get dusk, she would leave. She was like, Oh, gotta go. <laughs> I, I got things to do. I can't stay. And you know, that wasn't really like her personality. She's a person that'll hang out all day and all night. And so I finally cornered her on it one day and I was like, what is, why do you always do that? You always leave right at dusk. What's going on? Like, why don't you want to hang out with me? And she says, your apartment's creepy. Like, I don't, there's something in that woods. I don't know what it is. It's creepy. I don't like walking on the sidewalk back there when it's dark to my car. So I don't want to come hang out when it's dark over here. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, did you see something? And she said, no, I've never seen anything. It's just weird. It's creepy over here. I don't know. So hmm. I don't know. I mean, I have no answers. So as far as the door opening, you know, you said you had a year lease. How long did you have to battle that issue? Um, it had backed off 
quite a bit after I had yelled into the room to knock it off. Um, so after that incident, I did notice that it would really only open the door. Oh gosh, maybe once every two or three weeks. Whereas before it was opening it like once a week or more. Whereas after I got mad that it had taken my pencil, then it, it really backed off. So, and I don't, I don't, again, I don't know if that's a correlation. I, well, I it's know, interesting. It, it, it's interesting that you said you got pissed and you, you finally resorted to just shouting out enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, I had a situation. It's at the, it's at the shop that I currently still work at. And, uh, there for a period of time, we had a, we had a second shift and the gentleman that was on second shift was really not cutting the mustard and they ended up letting him go. And they approached me about taking over that position. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a fan of working nights. I'm really, yeah. I'm really not. I don't like what it does to my body. Um, I am a night owl to some extent. So the hours didn't really disagree with me as far as, you know, not being able to stay up, but it screws with everything, you know, and then, mm-hmm. you know, your friends are at work and you're at home and you're at ho- at work and they're at home. And it, it just makes for a, a very difficult, um, lifestyle to manage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I told him, I said, I'll, I'll do what we need to do to keep the second shift going. But I want, I want it understood that this is for a temporary time. I do not want, I do not want to be, I don't want to hear, I don't want to be here permanently. And, uh, the unfortunate aspect of, of where I work, great people. Uh, I've, I've had probably 25 years of my life spent working in that place. But the one thing that I've learned from them is that if, if things are running well, they don't change it. And right. I had, right. I had a good deal of experiencing experience doing what, what I did. So when I went to nights, all of the drama and all of the, the issues that they were having with the other gentlemen were gone. We were getting great, mm-hmm. great numbers in production and, and everything was going fine. Um, but I simply didn't want to be there for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had, I've worked there for two different iterations and in the eighties and, and through the mid late nineties, I worked there. Then I took about a 10 year hiatus and then I, I've been back there ever since. Um, there was a, there was a kid that, that I worked there with and you know what I mean when I say your work friends, it's not necessarily somebody that you would hang out with outside of work. Uh huh. Um, yeah. But, but when you were at work, you're pretty tight, you know, you, yeah. you work as a, a, a crew and we both pretty much had the same type of sense of humors and his was a little more, whereas I can, I can give it and take it. Mm-hmm. He was really good at giving it, but he could not take it. Oh no. And, and, yeah. that, and that got really annoying, you know uh-huh. I mean? Because he was, he was he was relentless with pulling shit on people pranks. And I run a printing press 
and he would mm-hmm. he would come over and he would loosen up the knobs so they would just barely be still attached and as soon as you touch it your knob would pop off and it'd start bouncing across the floor and he'd be over there laughing and That's it was just really irritating <laughs> um and when i left there and i took my 10-year hiatus um in no way does this have anything to do with me leaving, but he had some, he had some problems in his, in his personal life that I don't think anybody was aware of. And, uh, he, he took his life and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a shock to everybody. And, you know, I liked him. He was a good guy, but as much as I liked him, I disliked him because he just never knew when to stop, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when I, when I went to work at nights there, I have this, it's a, it's a wrench and it's about 14 inches long. It's got a T handle on the end of it and it sits in a little groove on the side of my press. Now my press runs, you know, eight hours. It's, it's constantly in motion, but they're all leveled and they're, they're basically set so that there's no vibration to this, to this machine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, over the course of, uh, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe three months, this wrench would, and I'm going to say vibrate because that's the only thing I can really think of that would cause it other than somebody messing with it from the spirit realm. <laughs> Um, this wrench would not just like vibrate off and, and then fall straight down at a 90 degree angle from where it was. It, it would like literally like shoot out ahead of my press by like two and a half, three feet. And it's a cement floor and it's a metal wrench. So when you drop a, a fairly sizable piece of metal on cement, it makes a, a pretty loud tinging noise. Mm-hmm. And if I would not be at the front of the press and see it happen, it's, it's a startling noise because as a press operator, you're trained to any, any noise that the press makes you, you become very accustomed to it. And mm-hmm. when you hear a sound that's outside of what you're accustomed to, you immediately jump to something bad just happened. Yeah. And that's a problem. so I hear, I, I hear this metal tink and I was like, Oh shit. I hit the stop button on my press and I'm looking around and I'm, I'm trying to see if there anything got jammed in there and I'm, I'm just not seeing anything. And I look down on the floor and this wrench is on the floor. And I was like, Oh, that's a weird, put it back in the slot where it, it resides and you know, everything's fine. You know, month later, same thing happens again. Mm-hmm. And now, after the second time, every time I walk by my press, I'm I'm hitting the T-handle part of it with the back of my hand to make sure that it is seated into the little slot that it, it sits in. Yeah. And and it's not moving. It's not going anywhere. You know, it's, it's right where I put it the last time I used it. And some time passes by, and it happens again. Then we kind of do a redesign of, of our production floor and we move my press to another area and uh, we go through the leveling process again. And this time I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm, this thing is going to be level as hell 
because I'm tired of dealing. <laughs> I'm tired yeah. of getting startled by the sound of that, that damn wrench hitting the floor, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm running a $150,000 piece of equipment. Yeah. And it happens again. And, yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm looking around and, and you know, it's 1030 at night. Nobody else is in the shop. I'm the only one there, which I think was a little unsafe. I don't know that that was really smart because if I'd had some kind of a health issue while I was operating the press, nobody would have found me till the morning. And yeah, you know. but it is what it is. And, uh, happened a couple more times and I finally, I finally was like, all right, Tony quit screwing around. <laughs> Because it, mm-hmm. it very much felt like, you know, and I can, I can recreate how that wrench flies off the, the press by taking my finger and flipping it oh. off, off the shelf. And, uh-huh. and it shoots out just about the same amount of distance that, that it had been. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was getting annoying. And I don't know that I, w- I would say I was scared. Um, I can honestly say that I wasn't scared, but, but it was getting slightly unnerving because I Mm -hmm. really, I really kind of, and you know, if you read into people who change their shifts and stuff like that, there are reports of people having like peripheral darting of dark objects out of of the sides of their eyes um, Mm -hmm. because you're, you're not you're not working at normal times. You're not sleeping at the right time. And you know, they think mm-hmm. they say your, your brain can play tricks on you and stuff like that. But there had been a couple of times that I had had like a, a very brief, dark mass, indiscernible, just kind of like dart across either one of my peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. Never really thought a whole lot about it. But after, after having this wrench had popped off the press, five or six times and you know being into all of this that i'm i'm into i started thinking about that that dark mess and i'm like okay so i literally came home and and tried to um script a um a letter to him Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, hey, I knew we were buds when we worked together. I hate what you did. You know, I hate what happened to you. I wish I wish there had been somebody that could have reached out to you and, you know, made it not happen. Um, and and I realized that working here was, was probably, with all the fun that you had and all the goofing around and the pranks, Knowing now what we knew about your your life outside of work, this was probably a really nice place for you to be, not having to deal with that stuff for a few hours. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that, you know, we all still miss you. We all still respect you. And, you know, I need you to leave me alone because I have a job <laughs> to do. Right. And, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be second guessing these things as they happen. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you don't stop, I have people that have equipment that I'm going to come in here and we're going to spend a night 
and I'm going to hunt your ass down. <laughs> and if I find you, I'm going to whoop your ass. I'm, I'm coming for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> if I find you, I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was, it was meant to be a, a, a heartfelt, hey, you know, it sucks what happened. But, you know, your time here is done. You got to move yeah. on. And, yeah. you know, let's, I get it. Ha ha. It's funny. You know, you're, you're still Tony. Um, so one night I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. And as, as I go through and I shut off all the lights and I make my way to the south end of the building, which is where I exit, there's a, a keypad that you enter in the, the alarm code. And mm-hmm. there's multiple, um, motion detectors throughout the shop. So when you get to that keypad, you always stop and you look and you watch the motion detector light. It will continue to flash when you, when you get to within two feet of the pad, it'll continue to flash and then it'll immediately go to a double flash and then go solid. And then you stand there and you look for a few seconds and all you, all you're doing is making sure that you don't set the alarm while somebody else is in the building that you may not have realized was there and you don't set the alarm off on them. Yeah. Because it's about a minute delay from like the, if I would have set the alarm left, if somebody else was still in there and they walked through a area with the motion detector, sirens and all kinds of shit would go off. Right. And uh, so I get up there to the pad and the lights flash and the lights flash and double flash goes solid. And I reach my hand up to the pad and I hit the first number and the green light starts flashing again. Oh, no. And I was like, so I, I spread my fingers, opened up the blind, checked the parking lot. Nobody else's cars were out there. Oh, geez. And I'm looking at the pad, and it's still flashing. It's still flashing. And then it stops, and I get the double flash, and it goes green. And I'm like, all right, you know, maybe a moth flew in front of the, the, yeah. the sensor or whatever. I put my finger up to the pad, hit the first number. Light starts flashing again. I did this three times. And finally I turned around and in my loudest, most aggressive stop the shit voice, I was like, God damn it, Tony, enough is enough. (laughs) Yeah. And I turned back around and I looked at the keypad and it went solid. Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, and it never started flashing again. Hit the, hit the code, walked out the door, locked the door behind me, went home. That wrench has never come off my press again. Got the message, huh? I, I, honestly, I think, you know, you know, you say like you're, you kind of had that feeling with the pencil thing that it was like a trickster type type thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, typically when you talk trickster as far as, in the, in the spiritual realm, you know, that's always kind of something that's a little bit not really, not something you really want to have happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's kind of on the dark side of, of, of things. But, you know, possibly you just had somebody that had a, had a jacked up sense of humor because it was, it was kind of similar to the, the shit that I was going through. And uh, the funny thing is, I came back into work the next day and I looked at the, the one lady and she had worked there for a long time. So she was there when he was there and, and back 
during the time that I was working there the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, our paths crossed when when I would come in, she would still be there for an hour or so. And she looked at me and she she's like, how are you today? And I said, yet to be determined. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how the night goes. And she goes, oh, did you have <laughs> problems last night? And I said, no, no, not not with production-wise. I said, but uh, it was weird. And she goes, Tony? And I said, oh. yep. And she goes, isn't he a shit? What? <laughs> and, you know, there, there are other people there that have had strange things happen. But, you know, like the type of thing that was happening to me, that was typical mm-hmm. of what he would do to me. Yeah. He, you know, he would come up and, you know, like come up behind you when you were walking, and not to me, but to other people. And, you know, like dig his, dig his fingers into your sides, you know, like, yeah, gotcha. And, oh, okay, you know, yeah. that type of shit. And it, with yeah. everybody, he had something different for everybody. Uh-huh. And there were several people there that said they they have had a very overwhelming feeling that, that Tony was still in that, in that building for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, since then I've never had another experience. I've since come to days. Um, I've been back on days for probably six years, seven years. And I continue to run that same press and the wrench never comes off. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> It's just odd, you know, I mean, you don't know what to, you don't know, you don't know how to pack that up. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't know of any kind of atmospheric conditions or anything that could cause a wrench that, you know, is pretty damn close to a half pound wrench. Yeah. Jettison off the side of a a press in a, in a forward fashion. Um, If it was vibrating, once it got to a certain point the law of gravity and the balance of it would just make it topple straight down. Right. And, you know, it might be a foot, foot and a half away from the press, but not, not like what, what was happening. And I know. So. And when you like try to unpack all that, it's like, it's a lot of energy to move something in that way that far. Yeah. You know, just trying to unwrap all of that. Like where's where's he getting the energy for where how in the world I, yeah i don't know i well there's I don't know. A, there's it's a ton of there's a ton of kinetic energy in 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 printing because you have a you have a press that's much like the um the singer uh, swinger sewing machine it at some point even though it wasn't a powered machine mm-hmm. it's still it's still storing energy when it's in use. Right. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, there were lights on everywhere and, you know, you had the press moving and, you know, there were three phase electricity run through the joint. So, I mean, if he was looking for energy to use, if, if they're capable of absorbing it from another source, there, there surely was plenty of electrical energy to do yeah. that. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's gone. <laughs> haven't had any any issues since then and i don't know you don't know what to do with it (laughs) it's just kind of one of those stories you know yeah yeah just file it away you know what do you do with it i 
I don't know. <laughs> Collect them, I guess. I yeah. Tell them to somebody else. Yeah, that's what I'm giving it to you for. So. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had answers for you, but you know, I mean, when I t- when I talk to people that have had these kind of experiences, it's funny because I think I've said this in other episodes. I've got like this these imaginary files in my head, and you know, I just I take data points from from these stories. You know, it's like the the translucent image with the static and everything. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's there's number five that I've heard of that pretty much was the same description. And, right. You know, I just hopefully my mind stays with me uh, <laughs> so that I can uh, access that information. But um, I just I just like I like talking to people. I like getting their stories out and just kind of putting together my own file system of weirdness. And mm-hmm. it's it seems to be very very prevalent you know i mean for as much as people don't want to talk about it there's a lot of people that have a lot of experiences i agree i you know i think a lot of people don't want to talk about it because it makes them uncomfortable they don't know what what to think of it they don't know where to put it they don't know what to do with it so they just deep six it and other people like me and you will talk about it you know i got no shame about it right you know, it happened. I, it's interesting. I don't know what to do with it either, but I, it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, it really is. It's a lot of fun. Jamie, thank you so much for getting in touch with me uh, and sharing yeah. your stories. I really appreciate it. You're a great guest and um, just keep listening. And if you have anything else that pops up and you want to talk about, you know where to get a hold of us. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to, to chat with you. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me this evening. If you have an experience or there's a topic that you'd like to have covered on an upcoming episode, please contact me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave a review. T-shirts are still available in sizes medium through 2XL. The cost is $25.00. And that covers the shipping to anywhere in the continental U.S. The show is growing by leaps and bounds, thanks to you, the listener. We've got some great content coming up, so stick around. Hi, Eric. It's Jamie. I'm recording this voice message on June 9th at about 12.30 my time on the West Coast. And I'm going to send you this message uh, later tomorrow morning so that I don't bother your inbox on your phone. I don't want it to ping you and wake you up. But I've really been thinking about our talk for your podcast. And you asked me an interesting question about if I had experienced anything 
weird in my life previous to the two events that I talked to you or I emailed you about. And I have been thinking back and yes, these things have started pretty early for me. So I just wanted to relay a little quick story When my family and I lived in the UP, I was three years old. This was just before my brother was born. Uh, We lived off of the Sini stretch in a log cabin that my parents had built. And my mother had a little Yorkshire Terrier dog, and his name was Mischief. And we had a two-track going back behind our house. Um that sometimes my dad would pile himself and my mom and I in the car and we would take drives in the afternoon or evening out there just to tool around, I guess. And one time we had been all in the car with the dog mischief and I was in the middle between my parents on the bench seat in the truck and Mom had her Yorkie on her lap with the window down. And I think this was like in August. It was summertime. And as we drove past a tree, the tree branch came into the window of the of the truck and grabbed the dog by the throat and threw him out of the truck and he was killed instantly. Which is traumatic and awful, right? And it was really, really, really awful. And we had buried the dog in the backyard, and he had been my little pal. You know, I was three, and Mischief was probably four or five at the time. And I used to put him in my little, you know, baskets and stuff and carry him around, and he was my little buddy. And so I was pretty sad that he had died. And I had oddly started this little ritual, and I don't remember how I came up with it, but night times I would sit on the edge of my bed after I had been put to bed, and my bedroom was off of the kitchen in the log cabin, and my parents' room was upstairs. So I was downstairs off the kitchen by myself. Um, so I had this little ritual that I would do to call mischief back to me when I was three. So I would sit on the edge of my bed and I would rub my eyes and I would whisper his name. And as I'm trying to recall it now, I think I would whisper his name maybe four to five times. And then the shape of him in a little shadow figure but with red eyes, would appear in the doorway between my bedroom and the kitchen. And he would never come into the bedroom. He would always sit there in the doorway. And my little three-year-old self found that so comforting to have little mischief back with me. And when I think back to it, I think, oh my god, that's so creepy and weird. Um... And how was I conjuring this little dog's shadow ghost thing? But I I swear it was real. 
Um, and over time, he, he quit coming. I remember trying to bring him with my little ritual, and he wouldn't come. And so he must have moved on, I assume, you know, gone to the light or whatever. Um, so that must have only lasted, I don't know, a few weeks to a month, maybe. But, um, yeah, so I was just thinking about that little story, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, because I have really been thinking over your comment about have things been happening to me my whole life. And indeed it does seem that way. Which is so odd. And frankly uncomfortable. Just like your podcast, uncomfortable. So anyway, I don't know if you can use this in addition to what we recorded. If not, totally fine. I just thought I would add it in. Um just because I've been thinking about our conversation. So, all right, chat later. Bye.